Well, good morning. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover. I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, FYI, I did not sleep very well on Friday night. Now, the reason I tell you this is uh, there was a spiritual reason for it. Um, God was just kind of stirring in me and saying, you know that sermon you got ready? Um, you need to make some changes to it. And so I got up yesterday morning early, and I just prayed, and I did a lot of revision. Now, I tell you that not because now what you're going to hear is this, some masterpiece. You know, it's the greatest thing you've ever heard. But I tell you that because if God is stirring you, it's a really good idea to respond to it. So I just, I just wanted to let you know that. That happens in my life. I'm sure it happens in your life. Maybe it's happening in your life today. We've been going through uh, this series called Basic Instructions. It's kind of a what we believe statement as a church. We're doing two per week. It's packed. There's so much in there. Um, so we got to keep moving. But I'm really grateful for uh, being part of a church that stands on the Word of God and has these truths as our foundation. So today, let's start with this question. What's the big deal about Christianity? I mean, there are a lot of faiths out there. What makes Christianity different? Well, there are a lot of responses to that, but I think a, a story that the CBS Evening News re recently featured kind of gives us uh, one element of Christianity that's completely unique. There was a guy uh, whose name is, his name is Jamil McGee, and in 2005, he was uh, minding his own business in his own words, and uh, he was stopped by a police officer, and he was accused of uh, selling drugs. And he said, I'm completely innocent. I, I'm, I did not do that. But a lot of people who are accused of things say they're completely innocent. Uh, and he was convicted. And uh, he was sent to prison. Well, the reality is he was innocent. We know that because the police officer, whose name was Collins, uh, was discovered um, falsifying police reports, planning evidence on, uh, on people, and... Uh, and uh, <clears throat> stealing. And once he was convicted, he went to prison, and then McGee was released. But as McGee said, I couldn't get back those four years of my life that I spent in prison, and my only goal was to find this man and hurt him. As it, as it happens, after 18 months, Collins was released, and they both ended up working at the same place, uh, let me make sure I get the name right, it, it was at a cafe run by the Mosaic Christian Community Development Center. So it looked like McGee finally had his opportunity to get revenge. But something happened. When Collins saw McGee, he, he walked up to him and he said, honestly, I have no excuses. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And McGee said something changed in him. He said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And he forgave Collins. And Collins said, I began to weep. I, I didn't deserve that forgiveness. He doesn't owe it to me. But see, that's the funny thing about forgiveness. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Because he was a follower of Jesus, McGee did the very hard thing that he needed to do to free both himself and Collins. He forgave him. He forgave what Collins had done wrong to him because McGee knew that he had been forgiven for what he had done wrong 
to God. And now these two men are friends, and they travel around talking about the power of forgiveness. Christianity is unique because the most important thing that every person needs to be right with God is only granted not by what we do, but by God's forgiveness. Other faiths require you to try to make it right yourself, to make sacrifices or, or to follow the, the pillars of, uh, of good works or to follow the path of enlightenment or to be reincarnated over and over and over until you finally get it right. God definitely requires perfection. That's true. But here's the thing. We can't do it. We cannot be perfect so God steps in and makes things right. That brings us to this first of this week's basic instructions. The forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit are granted by God's grace through faith in Jesus. That faith is obediently lived out through confession, or belief, confession, repentance, baptism, and following Jesus. Forgiveness brings us freedom from our sins. It's a gift from God. And when a person chooses to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into their life, not because they've earned it, but because it is a gift of God. The Holy Spirit, God, lives in us. Let that sink in. So God forgives us. God lives in us. The forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit are granted by God's grace through faith in Jesus. The best gift ever can't be bought online or in any store. What's the best gift ever? Being forgiven and having God live in you. Best gift ever. But how do we receive it? How do we open it? Fortunately, God gives us clear, basic instructions. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now, you can work hard and buy a car or a house or, or nice clothes or the newest phone, and you can hold your head high and say, check this out. I paid for this with my hard-earned money. But you can't buy forgiveness or the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can't earn it. God is not keeping a ledger of, of the things that you do. And as long as you have more good things than bad things, you're in God's favor. It doesn't work that way. You can't earn God's favor. In fact, this is what the Bible tells us that we've earned. The wages of sin is death. Our wages, or what we get paid for what we've done, is death. Death means separation. Separation from God, both physically and spiritually. That's what we've earned. That's our wages. That's bad news. But it's not the end of the story. There is good news news. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Say amen to that, right? Amen? 
That's good news. Last week, Ephraim passionately talked about the suffering that Jesus went through for us. The, the physical suffering that Jesus faced was so bad that physical death was merciful. But Jesus' spiritual pain could only end when something much more terrible than physical death happened. Spiritual death. That's literally defined as hell, being separated from God and everything holy. God, Father and Son, Holy Spirit, was ripped apart. And that's what Jesus went through for each of us because he loves us. So we receive forgiveness in the gift of the Holy Spirit because of God's grace through faith in Jesus. That faith is obediently lived out through belief, confession, repentance, baptism, and following Jesus. And as always, we want to make sure that this is coming from the Bible and not just a statement that somebody is making. Romans 10.9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You must declare, confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, it's not just saying some magic words. In fact, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. So it's not just these special words. It's actually knowing it. It's being confident of it. It's living it out. You must confess that you need Jesus to fix your relationship with God because you can't fix it yourself. You must also believe that God rose Jesus from the dead. Believing that Jesus was a good man or a prophet isn't enough. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins isn't enough. Believing that Jesus literally died and was buried is not enough. To be saved, you must also believe in your heart, the very deepest part of who you are, that God raised him from the dead. The resurrection is central to our faith as Christians. It is not optional. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The Bible says you must do these things to be saved. But it's not everything the Bible says about being saved. The very first time that people heard the good news of Jesus, they were, they were convicted because they heard that he died because of their sin, because of what they had done. And Peter, who had denied Jesus not long before, stood up and told them the truth. And they knew they were in serious trouble. Acts 2, 37 and 38. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that repentance and baptism are part of being forgiven and receiving the Holy Spirit. Well, what does repent mean? I mean, you don't hear that word outside of church very often. You don't hear that word very often in church. In today's world, it doesn't seem like. 
And it definitely includes this idea of being sorry, being broken. But it's mostly saying, you know, I was going this way, my way, and now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go God's way. It literally means to turn around, to do a 180. That's what repentance is. Well, what about baptism? What's that all about? Well, again, the idea is pretty simple. To baptize means to plunge or to dip underwater. But it's not about getting soaked. It's about having our sin-soaked lives washed clean by what Jesus has done for us. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, helps us understand this more. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism connects us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in the book of Acts, which is the history of the early church, every account we have of someone coming to faith and giving their lives to the Lord includes baptism. Every single account. Now some people claim that baptism is a work. But think about it. It's the least work-related thing that you can do that the Bible says is part of this process of salvation. Confessing with your mouth, believing with your heart, repenting with your life, following Jesus, these are things that you do. But you don't do baptism. Baptism is done to you. You're literally passive. Baptism is, is, is the exact opposite of doing a work. Our faith, then, is demonstrated through belief, confession, repentance, being baptized, and one more thing, following Jesus. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, Matthew 4.19. This is just one place that Jesus calls people to follow him. Now you make that decision for the very first time when, when you follow Jesus, when you make that decision, when you confess and repent, believe and, and are baptized. So it's a one-time thing, but it's also an everyday thing. And if you've been walking with Jesus, following Jesus for a while, you know that. Every day you have to get up and say, I'm going to follow you today, Lord. So this is not some magical, mystical formula. This is God's basic instructions on how to become a follower. You believe you're confess, repent, you're baptized, and you follow Jesus. This is how we receive the gift of salvation. And this is how we come home. In 1963, a 23-year-old Chinese worker accidentally crossed the border into India. His name is Wang Qi, and he says that he was tired, he was hungry, and he was lost. And he found a Red Cross uh, vehicle and asked for help. And, well, unfortunately, he was turned over to the Indian Army. He spent seven years in jail, and then he was relocated to a remote village in India. 
He wasn't allowed to uh, go home. He also wasn't allowed to become uh, a citizen of India. He was literally stuck between two worlds. He eventually married. He worked at a flour mill. He had children and grandchildren, but he never stopped longing for home. At age 77, 54 years after wandering away, he finally went home. A couple of weeks ago, Wang Qi arrived in Beijing with his adult children, where they were met by his surviving relatives. Now, we've all wandered away from God. We've been tired, hungry, lost. We're in this strange land, and we, we long to go home. And the cross that was made bread by the blood of Jesus will never turn you away and will never turn you over. You will be welcomed home by God. So have you done that? Have you returned to God? Not on your own terms, on his. Not by what you can do, by what Jesus has done. Have you received the best gift ever? If not, unwrap that gift today. You can walk out of here 100% certain that you're forgiven. It's, it's possible that someone in here is considering that right now. You're sensing God's call. This, the Holy Spirit is stirring you. And when the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, it's always a good idea to respond. So during our time of communion, if you've never made that confession and never repented, you've never uh, said that you believe who Jesus is, you've never been baptized, um, during our time of communion, I'm going to be up front and you can come up here. And we can talk and pray and move things forward. Now, I don't think we've ever asked anyone to come forward during communion, to confess Jesus and to receive forgiveness, but it's a pretty great time to do that. Because after all, isn't that what we do every week in communion? We confess that we need Jesus and we receive his forgiveness. We remember what Jesus did for us with two elements. The bread which reminds us of his body broken for us and, and the cup which reminds us of his blood poured out for us. So receive the hope Jesus gives during this time. Let's pray. God, we thank you that the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit are granted by your grace through our faith in Jesus. As we receive the bread and cup, we remember and we know we are wonderfully, undeservedly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you want to receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can come forward right now and we'll, we'll begin that process. God has the best gift ever for you right now.
I'm here at Discover today because back in junior year of high school, two of my friends, Alex and Chad, invited me to come to Sunday morning class and then youth group as well. We ended up going to a retreat within like the first month of being here. And there I met Ryan Dew as the youth sponsor who ended up baptizing me. Now I'm here every Sunday morning serving with the worship ministry and I absolutely love doing it. I love Tyler. <laughs> He's a great guy. There are Tylers all around us. And I guess this morning my question for you is, are you going to reach the Tylers in your life? Because if you don't, who will? I have to ask myself, I have a lot of Tylers around me. Good people. But people who have never placed their faith in Jesus. And when we stand before God, I don't want to have to hear them say, why didn't you tell me? Did you really not even care enough to tell me about the most important thing and that the best gift ever was available to me, and you just didn't care to tell me. I'm really glad that Alex and Chad reached out to Tyler. And I'm glad that Tyler responded. Not everybody does. But at least he had the opportunity. And now Tyler is making a consistent, positive impact in our church and in the world. And this brings us to our second basic instruction for today. For the most part, we are aware of all the stuff we talked about in the first part. I mean, we, we get the fact that, that Jesus is the only way. That's why we're here. But how many of us have ever taken that truth and shared it with somebody else? The church exists to take the good news of Jesus to all people in every nation, to serve the world, to encourage and strengthen other believers. <clears throat> we receive the best gift ever, and we must give the best gift ever. We do that as we tell people about the only hope, Jesus. And we do that as we serve other people in his name. How to give the best gift ever. Well, I have some candy here. Big bag of candy I got yesterday. <clears throat> now, I've got a little bit of a quandary here because there's 40 ounces of chocolate in this bag. And right now, it's all mine. <laughs> and if I share it with you, I'm not going to have 40 ounces of chocolate. But... I'm going to share it anyway. One for me. Would somebody just come and grab this and then just start passing out candy to people for real? Anybody? Come on up. There may not be enough candy for everyone. You know, you're supposed to do that when you come to class. If you have enough for everyone, we may not have enough for everyone. But here's the idea. 
this best gift ever, when we share it, there is enough for everyone. There is enough God for everyone. And even more miraculously in some ways, the more you give it away, the more it's real to you, the more you have. When we share this best gift ever, people who don't have it, who didn't have it, now do. When we don't share the best gift ever, the people that didn't have it still don't. Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? People can't believe something they haven't heard. They can't hear something unless somebody tells them. And that's what we're supposed to do. You know, if we discover an amazing restaurant or some wonderful product, we can't wait to share it with other people. And that's a good thing. We have received the best gift ever. Let's share the best gift ever. Everywhere we go. Remember Jesus said, come follow me. But that wasn't the end of his statement. He said, and I will send you out to fish for people. He said this same basic thing again in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We go, we make disciples, we baptize, we teach. On the one hand, we do that simply because Jesus said you need to do it. It's a commandment. But we also do that because we love God and we love people and we want to impact the world. It's not that we have to do this. It's that we are allowed, we are privileged, we get to do this. These words are the last words that Jesus uttered while he was here on earth. This is his great desire. Which means that when you share the good news, you literally get to live out the last wishes of Jesus on earth. Think about that. That's amazing. Imagine that. Imagine a church that reaches into the community, loves people wherever they are, imitates Jesus, seeking real life change, and duplicates this process by making disciples. The wallpaper on my laptop says, reach, love, imitate, duplicate. It's there because I need a constant reminder to make the main thing the main thing. I'm excited to be a part of a church with this vision statement because this is God's vision statement. God provides the vision and God provides the power to make it happen. And you, 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 each one of you is empowered by God, gifted by God to carry out this vision. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that, in, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Use every gift you have to serve others, and God will be praised. After you've received the best gift ever, share the best gift ever. We've received much. Let's give much. Those are today's basic instructions. We believe each week that as we look at the Word of God, as we worship, as we pray together, as we, um, as we take communion, that God has something specific for each of us. So let's review by asking three questions and see, which, see what God brings to our hearts and to our minds. Here's the first question. What do I need to receive? What do I need to receive? Maybe you still need to receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time. Maybe you were close to coming forward during communion, but something held you back. If that's the case, it's time to come home to God. And as we sing, come up. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't feel you can be forgiven for something you've done. Don't believe that lie. Receive God's forgiveness. Or maybe there's some other truth that God has connected with your heart this morning. Again, receive that truth as a gift from God. Question two, what do I need to give? Today, this week, right now, what is God calling you to give? Maybe you need to grant forgiveness to someone. If so, do that. Maybe even though your money says, in God we trust, you, you trust your money. And you don't use it the way that you're supposed to. You keep it for you. <laughs> All of it. If that's the case, give it. Maybe you feel you've reached a certain age and now it's time for other people to step up. Well, encourage them to do that. But don't you step down. Keep giving. We need your wisdom, your prayer, your experience, your gifts. Keep giving. And maybe you've never told anyone about the greatest gift ever. This week, ask God to help you share that with someone. On that note, let's be super honest. It is hard, for whatever reason, for most of us to share our faith, isn't it? It's challenging. So we have some good news for you. After Easter, we're going to be doing a church-wide series that's going to help us learn how to have spiritual conversations with people. But I don't want you to wait until after Easter, okay? Start now. God is going to honor it. One final question. What's stopping me? The only thing that can stop God from working in you is you.
No one else can stop you. Nothing else can stop you. See, God gives you the freedom to obey or not. So receive what you need and give what others need. Vedran Smolovich has played in the Sarajevo Opera, the Sarajevo Philharmonic Orchestra, and the National Theater of Sarajevo. He's a wonderful cello player. But he's most famous for playing his cello during the war in Bosnia. Regularly playing his cello in ruined buildings during the siege of Sarajevo, he caught the imagination of people around the world. He also played at funerals during the siege, even though funerals were often, often targeted by snipers. But he believed that war, chaos, even death was no match for the beauty of music. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. God has given you what you need and what you need to give to others. The war may be in chaos. The world may be in chaos. There's, there's tension and stress. Even the shadow of death may be all around. And, and snipers are out looking to harm. No matter what's going on, as Christians, we have the opportunity to let the hopeful sound of Jesus ring out. Let's make sure we do that. Receive the best gift ever. Give the best gift ever. And don't let anything stop you. Let's stand and sing.